Welcome to the Michigan Minds Podcast, a quick and informative analysis of today's top issues from University of Michigan faculty. Thank you so much for joining me today on Michigan Minds, but before we get started, could you please introduce yourself and share a little bit about your role at the University of Michigan? My name is Michael Gervich. I'm Associate Professor of Performing Arts Technology in the School of Music, Theater, and Dance, where I work on incorporating technology into live music performance. What is telematic music performance? Telematic music performance is really just the idea that we can play music together uh, live in real time while being not present in the same space as each other. So we are uh, in different physical places, but we're still playing together at the same time. Thank you so much for sharing that insight. Recently, you have focused on a pilot project funded by the Arts Initiative, which is an initiative that invites members of our UM community to enhance human connections, inspire collaborative creativity, and create a more equitable world for all. Can you please share a little bit about your project, Visualizing Telematic Performances, and how this work came about, and how you and your team identified the need for this project? Telematic music performance has been around for about 20 years or so um, in practice. I guess people have theorized about it for a long time before that. But about 20 years ago, people started experimenting with using advanced uh, networking technologies to be able to play music together with audio, with sound sent over the internet, um, where the performers could be in different geographic locations. And this works pretty well. It has worked pretty well so that musicians can actually play good music together over kind of reasonable distances, maybe about across half of the continent. Um, and people have been experimenting with this ever since then in different ways. There have been really large scale productions of operatic and symphonic works with musicians all across the world. And uh, to, you know, small scale performances of people kind of jamming together in their living rooms. So this is something that musicians have been really interested in. And I was involved in some research a, a number of years ago that tried to sort of quantify the effects of, of uh, the delays uh, in the network, inherent in the network, of how that actually affects people's um, ability to perform. So I've been involved in this kind of work. Um, and one of the things that often comes up is, yes, we can hear each other really well and we can play together with just sound, but when musicians perform together in real life, they move a lot and it's really important that they um, be able to see each other. There's a lot of information that musicians use to coordinate their performances with each other, to sort of evoke meanings in the, in you know, for audience members. When we just have sound, this visual information movement is missing. So the natural instinct is, okay, well, let's add video uh, so we can see each other on a video screen. And there's a bunch of technological reasons why that doesn't work very well. Uh, it's just video takes a long time to encode and transmit. But also there's some interesting research from other fields, uh, human-computer interaction, human-robot interaction, that showed that having a physical presence moving with you in space is more engaging and more persuasive and more satisfying for people uh, than watching someone on a video screen. We're, of course, 
probably familiar with this for the last two years of, you know, seeing each other on Zoom on 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 um, computer monitors. But some of this research by Wendy Jew that really inspired me was they looked at just information kiosks in a public place and uh, showed that just having a really simple waving arm, you know, just basically a stick on a motor with a glove on it, engaged people with information kiosks more uh, than having, you know, the same image on a video screen. So there's something special about having something moving three-dimensionally in space with you. So we were, I was inspired by this, um, this idea and thought, well, you know, video doesn't work that well in telematic performance anyways, technologically, maybe we can just make simple uh, kinetic sculptures or um, little robots that will convey, capture and display the you know, important qualities of performers' movements to help them coordinate with each other in performance and to help them make their music more compelling and expressing and expressive. Thank you so much for that insight. And it sounds like such great and interesting research that you got to continue. As you've mentioned, your project dives deep into understanding the gestures musicians make when sharing a performance. With the limitations of the pandemic, musicians had to find a new way to share their art. Can you discuss the research conducted that focused on these cues and how they are shared? There's been a lot of interest in musical gesture in general in the past um, number of years. Uh, another technology that has sort of become widespread that's allowed, um, enabled our research is the use of infrared motion capture. And this is something that, you know, you've probably seen if you see like behind the scenes footage of how digital animated movies are made, where they put a, a human in this tight fitting bodysuit with these little reflective dots on them. Um, and they use that movement in order to animate the character. Well, we're using the same technology. We're not animating, you know, a digital character, but we're using that technology to uh, in real time capture the performer's movements. And other people have been doing this kind of work on musical gesture and have showed things like the relationship between how people perceive musical tension. You know, there's moments in music where things sort of get tense and anxious and what the sound musical sound does at that moment and what their bodies do at that moment. And actually some interesting work looked at like, can you perceive musical tension without even listening to the music, just watching the performer's body or like an animation of their body? Uh, all of this work really inspired us. And, and we have a um, an infrared motion capture system in um, the performing arts technology department. So we thought this would be a great way to be able to capture a musician's movements. The pandemic gave this whole idea of gesture and movement and music performance a new sense of urgency before it was kind of yeah this was you know something that's missing and this whole telematic music thing is sort of an experiment you know this grand experiment anyway right but once the pandemic happened people really had to try to do this for real because people's livelihoods you know were were really on the line and that was when you know when i proposed this project uh, I got Professor Matt Albert involved. Um, he is uh, the chair of the Department of Chamber Music and in School of Music, Theater and Dance, um, along with my colleague, John Granzo in the Performing Arts Technology Department. Um, and, you know, Matt is a, a violinist and violist um, whose real expertise is in playing chamber music. So chamber music is music with small groups of performers without a conductor. So this is especially the kind of situation where 
musicians need to be able to use you know gesture and movement in order to coordinate with each other and he was especially frustrated because he at that point you know had 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 you know not only had a bunch of gigs canceled probably but you know was trying to have to do things like perform with other people give lessons you know over the internet and so all of a sudden there's this real sense of urgency to what we were doing and um you know people came up with creative ways to make music together without to sort of fake playing, you know, live. Um, usually they would just have a kind of metronome playing and everyone would record themselves to the metronome and then, you know, reassemble the parts of the piece later. Um, and that's, you know, it was better than not having music <laughs> for a while, but it doesn't really capture that kind of uh, magic of live performance. So this idea of like, we want to be able to really play with each other for real and have it feel real was really, I guess, just kind of timely for for this project. And it gave it really a, a sense of urgency and momentum. Thank you so much for sharing that insight. This work requires innovation and collaboration between many groups to achieve the desired levels of understanding of telematic performances. Could you share how your research transitioned from research to a tangible visual element? I've always been a person who has trouble sort of identifying myself in terms of my research and professional practice you know people ask me are you a composer or an engineer and I say yes this idea of collaboration and interdisciplinarity is sort of really built into the fabric of of um, who I am and who I identify with as a researcher and I've over the years learned that I do my best work in collaboration with people who are sort of have fundamentally different views than I do. Um, there are a lot of academics who don't work that way. There's a lot of scholars who like to sit alone in their office with a cup of coffee and a book and, and write. Um, that's not me. So this kind of project really was sort of perfect for me in that I was able to bring together you know, people like Matt, who um, has a very different sort of professional existence to me as a working musician, and um, a bunch of students. So we have students involved in the project from um, SMTD, from the College of Engineering, from across campus as well. Early on in this project, in fact, when we were conceiving the project in response to the, the call by the Arts Initiative, we made a conscious choice to approach this not by kind of doing isolated studies and experiments in a laboratory. We wanted to explore these questions around movement, physical presence, and gesture in uh, telematic performance by by doing it, by making things and trying them in performances. So um, we moved really quickly from the sort of conceptual stage to actually making things. That was really uh, our idea, in part because we just felt a bit anxious to kind of <laughs> make stuff because we'd all been sitting you know, isolated for, for some time because of the pandemic, but also there's, it's a, it's an interesting way to approach this kind of problem because we really uh, just allowed all of the problems and challenges uh, to kind of bubble up through, through practice, through making things. 
So what we did actually in the project early on is we had, you know, put a musician in mocap in motion capture suit, um, made recordings of them. And then instead of making a robot right away to sort of display their movement, we just used abstract screen-based visualizations. For one thing, this was easier to do during the pandemic where we couldn't really be in the workshop making things. Um, but it also allowed us to really zoom in on what are the simplest but most expressive qualities of human movement in this kind of context that we could display. So our first thing we made was just a picture of a cube. It was an animation of a floating cube in space and the cube just expanded and contracted and rotated as the musicians as the musicians played. And it was surprisingly expressive and compelling when we looked at it. And so that kind of gave us insight that even something that doesn't look like a person, something that's really abstract and something that has really limited degrees that it can move can be compelling. Uh, so then we kind of set out to try to make these robots that that do similar things. Thank you for sharing that. Visualizing telematic performances is an example of arts research, an area that's not always well understood across our university community. How do you describe arts research? Well, as I said, we could have approached this you know, more like scientists or engineers, we could have done studies and experiments in a lab and, you know, shown through statistics that, you know, this particular condition of having a robot in the room with you, you know, makes more enjoyable or interesting music by however we want to kind of measure that. And, you know, we might still do something like that down the road as a part of this project. So for me, arts research is... Well, arts research can be different things. For me, arts research can be different things. It can be, in this case, answering questions and making discoveries through artistic practice, which doesn't just mean, you know, I'm going to make art and kind of tell a story about it, but it's it's actually sort of coming into an artistic project with a set of questions that you're interested in exploring and maybe maybe some kind of hypothesis about how how those questions will kind of unfold or be borne out through artistic practice but then really the the answers to those questions are embodied in in the work that you make as much as they are in sort of what you can write about it and what you can say about it so um you know this is to say that uh to really get a sense of what this project is about you should probably come see our performance in you know on December 3rd because it's really the making of the work that um, that tells a story as much as anything else. Absolutely. And you just mentioned, but you'll be holding a public workshop and a performance that showcases the work that you have created. How might this performance inform the next stage of your team's work and research? So we've actually structured the project around this kind of series of these workshop performances. And we've already had two, one in December of 2021 and one in April of 2022. And those were the first kind of public displays of our crude, admittedly crude um, little robots. Actually, one of them is pretty big, big robots that we used as a platform to kind of gain, well, first of all, to just see what happens when we put performers in this situation, but then also to show them to the public and gain insights and feedback from people about how they were perceived and understood and ideas about what we, we might do differently. So the third of this series of public workshop performances is happening on December 3rd, and it's going to be 
kind of the biggest, most ambitious one, because the previous two, we did a simulated telematic performance where we had um, musicians playing together, but they were in different rooms in the same building. This solved a lot of technological problems for us. Uh, in this case, we're actually doing a real telematic music performance with collaborators at the University of Virginia. So there will be a musician and a robot in Virginia, and there will be a three musicians in this case, they'll be playing separately uh, at the University of Michigan and uh, and a robot. And so the robot in Virginia will display the movements of the musicians from Michigan and the robot that we have here will display the movements of the performer in Virginia. Um, so this is very scary for me and uh, admittedly ambitious because there's all kinds of things that uh, can go wrong but we're on track to doing it and we're really excited about it. It's going to be a lot of fun. As far as what happens after this, you know, <laughs> we'll see. I don't think we actually have a, a, a real firm kind of expectation of what comes next. I think we're going to just kind of be guided by the process and guided by what we discover through doing this. Um, it could be that the whole thing doesn't work um the one of the fun things about these robots this is a little bit silly but you know i've never really worked with robots before but people who do you know think a lot about the kind of risk factors of them so one thing that's kind of i think lends to this spirit of live performance is that they're a little bit dangerous you know if you get too close to it and it moves the wrong way it can hurt you um which is like funny to think about in a way i mean obviously not not getting hurt is getting hurt is not funny but but really that kind of risk and that sense of like any something could go wrong something could break is really sort of part of what live music performance is all about you know there's this sense of kind of danger and intrigue and like what what's going to happen next um because it's so unpredictable and because there's humans involved so i that's something that we're starting to discover um, is an important feature of this that's different than looking at, you know, something on a screen. So I think we might dig into that, really work with that sense of how how these things have kind of unpredictability or autonomy in them that uh, can um, sort of emulate that sense, that magic that we get in live music performance. Thank you so much for sharing that. And it sounds like such an exciting event with both universities collaborating together as working together across geographic differences becomes much more common now and in the future, do you think that telematic performance will become more widespread than it is in music and other kinds of performances? I'm sort of already thinking about, well, we're, we're already thinking about the theatrical implications of this. And in some ways, this would be really easier to do if it weren't music, because music is so time critical when we're just doing sort of, you know, dialogue based theater where obviously there's, you know, timing is important, but maybe less important kind of down to the millisecond scale, which is what we're worried about. So I think that in the art world has a lot of potential and there have been, I, I honestly don't know about the, what kinds of experiments experiments people have done in the theatrical world with telematics. I know that in dance, there have been some really interesting works in the past with um, dancers and robots. 
Um, I don't know that that's been done kind of in a telematic condition, but I think the idea of using mechatronic choreography, especially in ways that we can kind of re-embody someone's you know, presence virtually um, are really compelling. One of the stories we tell about this project though, is that we could kind of imagine, you know, and maybe this is a little bit of a fantasy, but wouldn't it be more interesting if, you know, we, instead of being looking at each other on a screen in this Zoom call, if we could have this little kind of appliance on our desk that could be dancing around and gesticulating as I'm waving my hands, trying to animate my conversation. I think it might be, <laughs> I think it'd be more fun in some ways. And I think making these kinds of uh, technological interactions more fun and playful is something that I'm really interested in kind of beyond just the artistic value. I think for our eyes, it's probably um, someone who's more expert in, you know, vision and health could correct me, but I think instinctively it feels like better to be able to not focus on a single point in space uh, on this flat screen, however many inches in front of me. But if there was this little appliance on my desk dancing around that I could watch in three dimensions, it might be better for my health. I can kind of imagine this world filled with these little robotic avatars <laughs> that we might animate, use to animate our virtual interactions. Thank you so much for sharing that. And that would be so interesting. What is one takeaway you hope everyone listening will have from the information that you've shared today? One takeaway could be, and I know this has happened to me, is once you start thinking about all of the subtle movements that people use to sort of coordinate um, their daily interactions, you become really attuned to it and you become attuned to how much we move and how we move in expressive ways. And so if we start to become attuned to how these subtle bodily gestures are very much a negotiation in the sense that we sort of learn each other's, you know, gestural repertoires and um, learn how to respond to them and, and learn how to communicate through them. You start to become sensitized to the fact that these are also as important in, in artistic interactions too. And so we consume music as much with our eyes as we do with our ears, I think. And I think that's in many ways an answer to the, the sort of eternal question of what is it about live music performance that still makes people want to go see concerts um, and see musicians perform um, when arguably, you know, listening on good quality speakers, you know, to a really well-made studio recording can kind of sound better, right, um, than maybe a live performance where there's prone to be mistakes and there might be like acoustic issues with the room. Um, so there's something special about being in the room with performers. And I think a lot of that is in how they move. And a lot of that is in about is about that kind of unpredictability that I mentioned before of, of not knowing exactly what's going to come next, um, which is something that I think is conveyed as much through their bodies as it is through their sound. Thank you for sharing that. And before we wrap up today, is there anything else that you would like to share about your work or your arts initiative pilot project? Well, the public is welcome to come to our um, final uh, showcase uh, workshop December 3rd, Saturday. We're doing two performances of, of the program because the room has limited capacity. 
Um, so they're at three o'clock and four o'clock in the Moore building, the music building on North campus. And that's open to the public kind of first come first serve seating. I want to also just, you know, share my, uh, express my gratitude to the arts initiative for facilitating this work because we couldn't have done it without that support. Just that this project is, is ongoing and it's going to morph and take different forms and enter different phases. But we kind of see this as a, a long-term a long-term proposition that was kind of really kickstarted by the arts initiative. So we're really grateful to, to have been able to, to, to get the ball rolling. Thank you so much for the insight that you provided today. And thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Michigan Minds podcast, a production of the University of Michigan. Join the conversation on social media with hashtag UMichImpact.